Good morning again, and uh, if you're listening online, as always, thank you. It's probably about two o'clock, about right now, when you're listening to this, as Justin says. But uh, we're just, I'm, I'm really excited about starting this new series um, because, you know, pastors oftentimes wonder, like, what do the people want to hear, right? Like, what, what is it that, they, that they're struggling with? And, um, and so this gives me the opportunity just to answer your questions about faith, about theology. I'm really excited to search about why my hair looks the way it does. I don't know what your question may be, but, you know, I'm really excited about this. And, um, like, did anybody, did everybody enjoy the Word on the Street series? Anybody? I'm glad somebody did. Okay. Um, I'm like, it was like, between it and When the Devil Knocks, it's probably been one of my favorite series and that we've done so far. And, um, but like, like I said, we're starting a new series this morning. Um, and it's a sermon series based on your questions. So if the sermons aren't very good, it's not my fault. Okay. So, um, so what we're going to do, I'll just kind of give you how this is going to lay out. As Justin said, there's some cards in your seat. Um, there that you can still turn in questions. Um, so what, how I'm going to do this is I'm going to pick three questions that I'm going to do three full sermons on. And then the fourth week, we're going to do some just like quick and hit answers um, to get to everybody's questions, just so you know how that lays out. But I wanted to start this uh, sermon today with just reading this passage. And it says this, Elisha died and was buried. That's kind of Dark, right? Derek, I come Sunday morning not to listen to that kind of stuff. But Elisha died and was buried. Now, Moabite raiders used to enter the country every spring. And once, while some Israelites were burying a man, suddenly they saw a band of raiders. And I don't know about you, but sometimes in our life, it seems like stuff happens suddenly. Like you suddenly just hit this wall. Like the attack comes suddenly. Like people talk oftentimes about how they have a breakthrough and it happens suddenly. But sometimes... We have some things that fall apart suddenly, right? Like we have, the, we have like the favor of God can fall on us quickly, but also there's a fight that shows up. There's a fight in our lives that we have to, that we have to, that we have to battle. And that's why the Bible says that we have to be ready in season and out of season because you never know when it's coming. When those dark, dark nights of the soul happen. But sometimes... Life just hits us, and oftentimes it's, the, oftentimes it's the hits that we don't see coming that knock us to the lowest point in our lives. And, and some can say like these hits of life can sometimes lead to our biggest spiritual droughts, spiritual deaths, or where we feel like we're far from God. And some may even say that you might need a second wind. That's the title of the sermon today, A Second Wind. Like, have you ever seen an athlete, like, watching, watching a football game or soccer or whatever sport you're into? I never understood why people watch soccer, um, but people do. Same thing with golf. I don't get it. Um, but, like, an athlete has, like, athletes have went as far as they could go, and you could tell they're getting tired. Then all of a sudden, they started playing better than they did the whole game. That's what people call second wind. And I'm wondering if there's anybody in here that needs a second wind this morning. Someone that just maybe just needs a restart. And today I want to answer this question. This was the question that was given to me, turned into me, and it was this. Why do I go through spiritual drought? Why do I go through spiritual drought? You may even say, why do I feel spiritually dead sometimes? And I started thinking about this phenomenon called the second wind. And 
Have, like, have you ever felt that? Of that second wind? Like, you felt that you were just exhausted, that you, that you were spent, like you hit the wall, and then suddenly you had this, like, this newfound energy. And I, I think for a lot of us, we want that when we hit those, when we hit those spots. Like it, it made me think as I was preparing this a couple years ago, I was in a, a, like a pretty bad car wreck. I'm driving up Rutledge Pike, and I don't know if you know anything about Rutledge Pike, but there's nothing up Rutledge Pike, and we'd left mom and dad's house. It was real late. Um, it was just me, Zane, and Lyric, and my two kids, and, and we're driving. I had a little 98 Honda Civic with the muffler that fell off about the, about the point to where like, the shift gear is here, so it was loud. Um, my truck's really loud, and it sounds better than my Honda did, so I'm just saying. It's not out there. But anyways, sorry, that was a little conceited moment. But anyways, uh, it was that I'm driving about, you know, there's no red lights there uh, going up through there. So I'm going, going I'm, I was going a little bit over the speed limit, okay? I was going about 65, and so here I am, I'm tired. It's about 1130 at night. Zane and Lyric are whining in the, in the back seat because they're tired, and I, I feel like I'm going to fall asleep if I don't hurry up and get home. And some guy, who mind you, I'm going 60, 65 miles an hour, runs up and hits my rear end of my car, crushes the trunk of the car up against the front seat, back of the front seats. And I'm telling you, you talk about scary. I, was, I, I spun around in the road about 15 times. We went to the meet, grassy median there, spun around 15 times, right? And that guy ran off and never found him, dummy. But, but I, I remember, like, you know when your adrenaline, adrenaline's going? And you don't really feel pain. All you really care about is what's in the back seat, if you know what I'm saying. So I get out of the car. I shove my door open, just thinking, please let, me, please let Zane and Lyric be okay. Please let Zane and Lyric be okay. And I went to open Lyric's door, and it wouldn't open. It scared me to death. Like, how am I going to get these kids out of here? Because Lyric's crying. Kind of find out she had broke her leg. Zane had some bruises. He's thick. He's good. All right. <laughs> Uh, but here's their crying, and I was like, "How am I going to get these kids out?" Because I, I, like, I, I felt my adrenaline going, and I felt sore. But you know, like, you know, you don't like. And I was like, "Man, what am I going to do?" And all of a sudden, I felt this energy, this surge go through me, and I ripped the my driver, the back of my driver's side seat out of its hinges to get to my kids. I had this this sense of a second wind, this energy that I needed in the moment of my crisis. You see, and I, I wonder if there's not only this physical thing that happens with athletes and, and injuries and all this, but I, I started wondering, like, if there's also this psychological or even a spiritual phenomenon to this. Like, I wonder how many of us have had these moments in our lives where we felt full of faith, where, where we made a, a sincere commitment to become a follower of Jesus, where you, like, you absolutely committed your life to Him, and you knew from this moment on, it changes everything and you started pursuing God, you, you started pursuing a new life of faith, and, and you started pursuing your own spiritual vitality, and you hit a wall. And I wonder how many of us have actually given up on our spiritual journey. Like we thought that we got so far in this drought, that we got so far that we could never return. We, in our, we hit a wall in our spiritual race. We don't think we can get through it. 
So we give up. Then I remembered an individual story that kind of made me think about this. And if you know anything about Bible, you're going to know, or church, or you drove by a church, or your who was so great grandmother was went to church, you know this story. <laughs> there was this man who was super strong. I mean, he put Brock Lesnar to shame. If you know who Brock Lesnar is. Uh, super strong. And what made him so strong was because he was set apart to be the rescuer of Israel from the Philistines. And so what happens is this man, his name's Samson, takes this vow. And Nazarite vow, when all this Nazarite vow says this, is that, you know, you're set apart for a purpose. Okay? And so since you're set apart, there's some things that you have to vow not to do. One was drink alcohol. Two was no touching dead bodies or anything dead. And lastly, the most famous part of his story is no cutting your hair. Man, I used to have some long hair. You can ask Joe. It was sexy. Just kidding. He always made fun of me because I had a rat nest back here. All right. So, so he, he takes this vow because he was set apart. Like, just like God has set you apart to do something for his purpose. Remember we talked about on Word on the Street that you were chosen for purpose and on purpose. Like God has a plan for you. God had a plan for Samson. But he had to follow these, this vow. And, and what happens is like his strength you know, came from his vow. His strength came from God. And he was to rescue Israel from the Philistine rule. And, and where we're going to pick up the story is that, let me just tell you, I'm gonna, I need to say this. I'm going to tell you how strong he was. Okay? One time he killed over a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. What? Mad skill right there. All right? He, 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 so he did that. He, there's one story where he literally grabbed the gates of the city. I'm not talking about those little picket fence gates. I'm talking about the gates of a city, posts and all it says, and carried it. You talk about a dude that can like bench press what at the world probably. Like he's probably the Chuck Norris of his day. Okay? I mean, he was super strong. But when we're picking up this story, he's already broken two of his vows that he made to God. He vowed not to, not to drink, and he broke that. He vowed that, uh, that you know, he wouldn't touch a dead body. And I'm going to tell you, one, he touched the jawbone of a donkey, but two, there's just one story. I'm going to tell you another story how strong he was, is that he, got, he was on the road and he got attacked by a lion, and he ripped this fool in half. Right? And so it even says that when he was returning from his trip that he passed by that carcass of that lion he ripped apart and bees had made a honey nest in it and he reached in and grabbed some honey and ate it and took some to his mom and dad. So he was touching dead things. So here we are, we're picking up the story where he's already broken two vows and in Judges 16.4 it says this, Sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah who lived in the valley of Sarek. And here's, here's what you have to understand. Who was Delilah? She was a Philistine. Delilah was a Philistine. Who, who was Samson supposed to defeat? The Philistines. You know, sometimes I almost want to make this point is that sometimes we lie with the very thing that is our demise. 
Actually, if you're taking notes, you can write this, write this, you can write down this way. Oftentimes, what leads to spiritual drought or spiritual deadness is we exchange God's best for our enemy's worst. Sometimes we, we trade God's best, exchange God's best for our enemy's worst. See, the scripture tells us that God comes that we may have life, have it abundantly. But the, our enemy comes to still kill and destroy. It looks good on the front, front end. It looks pretty on the front end. But oftentimes we lie with the very thing that God says, I want to rescue you from. He laid with the enemy. He was seduced by the enemy. Not because she was so seductive, but because he chose to go against what God wanted for him and for his people. So here he is, lying with Delilah. And so he's drank alcohol like he vowed he wouldn't do. He drank, he touched dead bodies like he wasn't going to do. Now he's laying with the enemy, choosing our enemy's worst than God's best. Choosing what the enemy has for us instead of a God who created all things good. And Delilah begins to ask him, what is the source of your strength, Samson? He asks him three times. First two times, he kind of gives some, hey, if you weave my hair into this thing, I'll lose my strength. And then the Philistines come to attack him and, 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 and get him. And, and then, uh, but he would just break loose. And then it was something else. And he would kill some more Philistines. And then finally... He was lying with the enemy, and she said, Samson, if you love me, go to the store and buy me some milk. No, she said, if you love me, if you really love me, if you, if you want me, if you, if you want what I have. See, the devil makes it look real good up front, right? If you want this, girl, you know, saying, he makes it look real good. If you love me, won't you tell me the source of your strength? You've lied to me twice. Tell me the truth. Be truthful with me. And he says, if you cut off my hair, I'll lose my strength. So he falls asleep, and she cuts his hair. Here's the point that I want to make. is Sometimes the reason that we go through a spiritual drought is because we compromise our faith. We compromise our faith. We say, well, I can do this this one time, and it'd be okay. Just one more time. That's all I'm going to do. One more time. And we compromise what God has best for us. You know, I'll go sleep with him one more time. Just one more time, God. Just let me, let me do it one more time, and I promise I'll quit. And then 20 times later, you're still held in bondage because you've compromised what God has for you. Or maybe, I, I got, God, just one more pill. If I could just take one more pill, just give me one more pill, I'll, I'll be okay. And years later, you're still held by addiction because we've compromised God's best. We've given up on God's best for us. So we go through spiritual drought oftentimes for the, for the reason that we go, is that we trade God's best and we compromise. But here's the great news, is that we serve a good God who doesn't let us stay there. We serve a God who says, you know what, I want what's best for you, and I'm going to fight for you, 
You're my son. You're my daughter. I'm not going to forsake you. I don't forsake my own. Like, I would never leave my kids hungry. And if I wouldn't do it, how much more of a God, how much more would God, who is the supreme father of us all, he's the father to the fatherless, the husband to the husbandless, the healer of sickness, how much more would he not do that for us? He doesn't want us to stay there. He gives us a second wind and a third wind and a fourth wind. But he gives us what we need. Here's, here's what I mean. Like, so the story goes is that Delilah cuts his hair. And they come and capture him for the first time. He's weak. He's, the Bible says he lost his strength and they gouge out his eyes. And I, I know he couldn't physically see, but I believe in that moment for, for Samson started feeling a spiritual drought. He started feeling disconnected from the God who chose him on purpose. Not because God was distancing himself from Samson, but that Samson had tried to distance himself from God. So he gouged out his eyes. He couldn't see. And for 20 years, the Bible says, is that he, they used Samson to grind grain. Just imagine a huge stone round plate hooked with a, 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 a limb, a huge thick limb, just going around in circles for 20 years grinding grain, grinding whatever they needed him to grind for 20 years. And for some of us, we feel like we've been in this drought or we've been spiritually dead for, tw- for, for 20 years. It's been so long, God. How, when are you going to come rescue me from this? It seems like we just keep, I keep going around in circles like Samson. When am I, I going to stop feeling this pain? When are you going to come rescue me, God? And the whole time, God is hearing you. Because something happens. Something that the enemy has forgot. The enemy's forgot that we have a good God, a good Father who wants to rescue us. He's not going to leave us there. The enemy, but his enemies here in this picture, the Philistines, forgot that when you cut hair, what happens? It grows back. Brittany all the time asks me, what about this haircut? And I'm like, if you, other than one, I couldn't stand it. But she's like, don't do that one. Said, Just try it. It'll grow back. Listen to what happens. So he's grinding grain for 20 years. Verse 22 says, but before long, his hair began to grow back. Like, I don't think you caught that. For 20 years, he was spiritually dead. For 20 years, he couldn't see physically, but couldn't see spiritually. For 20 years, he was just going around the motions. And slowly, he began to feel his strength come back. And slowly, as you walk this journey of life, and this, what you feel is a spiritual drought, that you're spiritually dead, you're going to start feeling yourself get stronger. Because God's not going to leave you there. No amount of shame, no amount of guilt, no amount of whatever you've done or not done or been done to, nothing's going to keep you from growing as long as you stay the course. So his hair began to grow back. Somebody say it's coming back. You can put that up there if you want to, Joe. It's coming back. When we're in that spiritual drought and that spiritual deadness of our life, we just got to believe it's coming back. 
like Samson's hair is coming back. And the story of all this, that here he is blind. They're doing this big festival thing, whatever. All, this, the, whole, all of Phil, the Philistine people were in this place. And they all got drunk, it says, and they were calling for Samson. Let us, let us have Samson, the one that was supposed to conquer us, that we ended up conquering. Bring him out so we can see his eyes gouged out. So they, this is, so they could mock him and make fun of him and make a show out of him. So as they said, two people brought him out. And Samson, here's blind, knowing his hair's grown back. It says that he asked the two men to place him between the pillars. And what do pillars do? They hold things up. And they said they took him to a pillar, to the pillars. They held up the place. And he says, God, I really screwed up. But for the last two years, I've felt you. 20 years, I've felt you. I know, you're, I know you've never been that far away from me. I know you've never left me nor forsaken me. And I felt it coming back. Say it's coming back. I felt it coming back. And the Bible says he braced himself as he prayed. And he said, God, you, I took the vow for a purpose. You set me apart for a purpose. So let me have my strength one last time. And he braced himself between these pillars. And he shoved down what held him captive. He shoved down the things that were what kept him enslaved. And what he thought was his spiritual drought was really the moment that God says, no, I've put you here in this place to help you grow. I put you in this season of life so you can show that, show you know you can depend on me, not in your own strength. Because it really wasn't, wasn't Samson's strength to begin with. And in the end, even in that spiritual drought that he was going through, in that spiritual death that he was going through, where he thought that he was far from God, and but God was never far from him. He completed his purpose in life. He completed his purpose in life. Oh, crap. I missed it. I, I forgot a part. I left the part out. I'm going to have to fix this. Can, I, can, you, can you bear with me for a minute as I fix this? Because I don't want y'all, I don't want y'all to miss this. Remember, I started this um, sermon out with, uh, with Elisha, right? The prophet that died, the one that did like, had like a double portion of all this craziness. Like he did some amazing things, like made an axe head, axe head float in the water. He, had, he was a, a prodigy of Elijah. And, I mean, this, this is, Elisha did some crazy things. This, this guy who was what? Dead. And they buried him in a tomb. I think we need to go back and read that. Is that okay? Because I'd like to let the part out. So Kings 13, verse 20, it says this. Elisha died and was buried. Now Moabite raiders used to enter the country every spring. And here's the crazy thing. Isn't it funny how sometimes we, we, we struggle with the same things over and over and over? Like, these Israelites knew they were coming in the spring. Like, you think we would prepare for that? Shows our, like we look back at this story and go, well, why didn't you just prepare every spring to defeat these Moabites? And that is really, it's a reflection of us because we do the same thing. Sorry, that's another sermon. Verse 21. Once while some Israelites were burying a man, well, let me just say, isn't it crazy that you get like four words at your death? 
Isn't that weird? Elisha died and was buried. Great. Once while some Israelites were burying a man, suddenly, like suddenly, you know, sometimes our attack comes suddenly, they saw a band of raiders. So they threw the man's body into Elisha's tomb. Now wait a minute. You're talking about this guy who's been dead. Nothing but bones. You're going to throw this other dead body in there with them like they were just trying to get out of there. And we're talking about being spiritually dead. Here's a dead man laying in a dead man's tomb. Y'all want to hear the next part? It's really good. I don't think they want to, Joe. They're not really excited about it. And maybe it's just for me, but, you know, I don't know. Because here's the thing. When we're spiritually dead, when we're going through spiritual drought, sometimes we we need what these guys did and throw our dead body into the tomb where we think everything's dead to go back to what we thought was dead because the next part of it says when the body touched Elisha's bones the man came back to life see sometimes when we're going through spiritual drought or we feel spiritual dead we just need to go back to the last thing that we knew God did because there's still power there there's still power in what we think is dead Elisha had probably been dead for years at this point because he's bones but there's still power there in what we think is dead what you think, what you thought, where you thought God last talked to you, just let's, let's just go back. Like I thought about going and taking a picture at Burnage Creek Baptist Church, the old one, not the new one. Okay, right next to the creek where I sat down, and Jimmy Miller and Robert Collins, Joe's brother, um, Joe. You can ask that day I was acting up weird, wasn't I? I was like, Joe's like, what are you doing, bro? I'm glad he's here today. Uh, he's like, why are you acting so weird? I was like, I don't know, man. And so I just went beside the creek, and and I remember sitting there going think God's trying to talk to me and I remember them telling me about Jesus and of course I knew about Jesus but I didn't like know Jesus and I thought about going there and taking a picture like I drive by there sometimes I like I, I trick the kids I trick the kids sometimes and say hey do y'all want to go see where my trailer used to be when, when I was growing up and it's really for me to drive by that old little white church beside the creek so I can go there it was it's kind of crazy. Like, I didn't know Joe was coming today, and he gave me this birthday card because my birthday's tomorrow, and I'm getting old. I'm about to cry again. Read the card, cried. Like, I remember, like, I kind of want to go back to the pool, Joe, up there at the, at the campground, and go to the little white rope with all those little floaty things on it, and just remember the, I don't like pools, to be honest. But I hated swimming even back then. I'd really go fishing. But anyways, go back to that white rope and sit there and remember the conversation, like you said, in the car that we had. Like, one day we want to change the world. I want to go back there because I knew God was speaking to me. Now, I screwed up from the floor up from there on. But, like, I, I, I want to go back. I want to go back to the point that even though there were some struggles and some pain, go back and stand on the stage of Kingswood Chapel where, you know, me and I was leading some music for the youth and me and Brittany made a mistake and Brittany got pregnant before we got married. And, and I remember standing on that stage with some men that I still love and go, and go, you know, I screwed up. And it was really me trying to run from this. But I screwed up and my wife, well, she wasn't my wife then, okay? Brittany's pregnant and so I'm going to step down. And what I figured like most churches would do is shame. I remember people standing and clapping. Like, I want to go back to that moment because that moment told me that, you know what, you can run from this all you want to, but I'm, I'm still here. I, I, I've taken your humanity into, que- into question, and I still chose you to do this. 
I still got a purpose for you. Sometimes we just need to go back when we're going through those droughts to those bones, those things that we think are over and just relive them for a moment. That maybe it's you going back on top of that hill. You know what I'm saying? Maybe for you it's that time when you just need to get on your knees and just say, God, I need your help in this moment. I need you to give me like last time I was on my knees like this, I knew you came through. So here I am again. God, you gotta do something. Just like Samson. God, I know you're there. I know you're my strength. I, I get it now. My strength comes from you. Please let me fulfill my purpose. So why do we go through spiritual drought? One, it's because we choose to. Too, because sometimes God wants us to depend on Him to go back and remember His faithfulness because His promise still stands right when the body touched Elisha's bones there was still power the man came to life and stood up can you imagine the rest of his life right there and I want that for you. God wants that for you. So will you choose life instead of choosing death? Will you choose God's best instead of the enemy's worst? Dear God, I want to thank you so much for giving us an opportunity to be here this morning and worship you this morning. And just thank you for these people that really, every week this is my comeback to. Because sometimes weeks get hard. God, school's starting back, and it's going to be rough. But I know that I have a place that I can go back to. Every week, just to say, God, I know you're here. And I need you to strengthen me. I need you to fill my cup so that during the week, I can just fill other people's cups. God, I thank you for Burnett's Creek and the little spot beside the creek on the other side of the bridge. I thank you for the rope in the, in the pool up at the campground. I thank you for the stage there at Kingswood Chapel. I thank you for Applebee's sitting across from Peyton Wills. And thank you for the men that you put in my life to constantly remind me and to encourage me that God's got it. Thank you for being a good father who doesn't want us to stay dead. And that even if we're honest, you're not scared of any question that comes your way. God, I lift up our hearts to you and just say, may we always remember and recognize where you're moving, recognize your faithfulness, that when we feel like we're moving away from you, that we know that we're never really that far off. That you're right there, just waiting for us to recognize you. God, I pray all this in your name. Amen.